0: FlatOut Investments and WTS Dynamics podcast number five. Um, I've got Stuart from Brixton. He is a sales manager. He's actually the person that I have been communicating with back and forth uh, from day one when we first started our working relationship. So Stuart, uh, I want to go ahead and introduce you. Uh, You can kind of go ahead and do your intro.
1: Hi, guys. My name's Stuart, sales manager here, as Albert said. And uh, I've been with Brixton since their conception. Uh, Part of the idea behind the brand was just sort of changing the way the industry works, making things a lot more transparent for the retail side of clients and uh, making the process a lot simpler and providing top tier premium grade quality wheels at an affordable and more cost effective uh, price point than usually offered.
0: Yes, yes, de- definitely Stuart. Um, so guys, I think one of the main reasons that I had gravitated towards going with, you know, wanting to be a dealership for um, Brixton, the number one reason was their designs. And Stuart, I have to give it to you, you guys um, really came up with, it's very difficult in the wheel industry, I think, as the first thing that I wanted to kind of cover was that, you know, there's, there's, I mean, I don't want to say millions, but there's definitely thousands of designs out there.
1: Oh, there's lots.
0: Yeah. And the fact that you guys came up with just the intricate designs, um, just to kind of go over a couple of the ones, obviously, like the PF5, which is one of my favorite, the PF1, which was really one of the first wheels I had ever seen from you guys, and I just was... I was it was just when i saw it i'm like holy shit! who are these guys like i gotta i gotta meet brixton i gotta talk to these guys i want to represent their brand so um can we kind of just we're going to run down the four topics that we discussed so the first one was uh the new involvement and role that high performance forged wheels play in the modifying world of supercars today
1: yeah so going to a forged wheel as opposed to the oem wheels that come a lot of the times with factory wheels on supercars they are forged right out of the box so it's not that you're getting a substantially different technology but what we do here is just part of our engineering process everything is tailored specifically for each vehicle that it's made for so we tailor the weight characteristics specifically for each wheel so the front wheels are tailored for the front of the car the rear obviously tailored for the rear but um, Part of our process during the engineering is the FBA process, where we actually do impact analysis and test the wheels and push the limits of what they're actually going to be able to handle. So during that, it results in the wheels becoming a very light product, uh, where the OE manufacturers, they're making something that is aesthetically pleasing to go with the car, but they're not necessarily trying to perfect the fitment. They're not trying to make the wheels as light as they can be. Oftentimes, they're overbuilt. They're something that's uh, just sort of a more cookie-cutter fitment, so to speak. And that is where the aftermarket side of the industry can come in and really, really change the way the car looks, the way the car uh, handles. If you want to increase your performance, uh, reduce braking times, increase acceleration, changing to a lighter wheel set is really the... Is really the simplest and most direct way to affect the change on the on the performance of the car right away correct
0: yeah i'd I'd have to totally agree um that was one of the number one things that we wanted to kind of share with the c8 group um, to give them an insight of, of what you know why we're trying to go ahead and give them the opportunity to do this this discount program for them for the c8 kind of segues into the next thing that we wanted to talk about which was you know, you nailed, you nailed the, uh, you, you you nailed it right on the head, man. It's it's, and that's what I wanted to make them really educate them on understanding that, especially with the C8, like we had discussed before, they really, you could tell that the engineering, all the engineering that went into the car of the production of the C8 and the, the thought process, they literally just stepped aside and said, hey guys, wheel, wheel, wheel department, don't worry about making anything crazy. Like, this mm-hmm. is the base model. Just don't even think it about, you know, don't try to make something extremely amazing or unique. We're, we'll take care of that probably later on with the Z06 and the Z01. Right now, let's just concentrate on kind of a generic. I mean, they didn't, they didn't leave it. They didn't not do their job, but I think it, it gives us a huge open window of really making a wheel that can actually match the characteristics and the body lines of the overall design of the C8 because... Correct. I think we can all I think we can all agree that the stock ones are complete garbage, is what I would say. But that's a good thing. That's good for us. Yeah. Um, and 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 what you and the other thing you covered was the the so the main thing I would say is obviously like you said fitment. That's a huge huge portion of when it comes down to building a forge wheel from the ground up is the fitment, the custom fitment that we can go way above as far as width and actual. Um, actual ability of the wheel what it can perform Um, and like you said the manufacturers are not interested in going with the lightest thing because like you said they have to kind of over engineer to cover all the the governing laws that that they have to abide by
1: yeah and they're not necessarily making something that is heavier by nature just because they're over engineering it but they're making things for the ultimate worst case scenario is like somebody buys the car and wants to take it off-roading and just pummel it the wheels that they're developing are going to be able to stand up to pretty much anything you can toss at the car or what we're doing we do the same same kind of testing but our testing results in a very lightweight wheel where if you tell us exactly what your plans are if you want to go off-roading we'll make it so you can beat it You can do that but typically we develop our product to be used for road um, we make it so that if you want to plan on making it a track car we'll develop it to handle that sort of fatigue and stress as well so it's a nice nice sort of nice sort of ability for us to tailor it to whatever the client really wants to have right if they're, if they are strictly looking for Fast fast acceleration. They want to stop as fast as they can. They're never going to take it to the track. They're just going to be doing some spirited driving on the road. We can tailor the set to, uh, or tailor the set to provide them with exactly what they want. If they're wanting to have a track car that they can abuse over and over and over and not have any issues, no have not have any stress or fatigue over time. We can make it to have that as well. So it's a it's a tunable side of the wheel market, which is not very common.
0: Correct. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, like I said, one thing that drew me always to, you know, down here in Florida, unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of dealerships that they have this, um, I don't want to say cookie cutter approach, like you had said, the manufacturers use, but they have a very weird, you know, I, I don't want to mention any names, but I did work for a couple of them, and, and that's how I kind of got into the wheel industry in the first place. And what I didn't like, what I was seeing was that you had a lot of these guys that, you know, it didn't matter what supercar the person was coming at them with. The person, the salesperson or the owner, would just straight up, he would just use this thing. It was it was ridiculous. It was, okay, so if the car came with 20s, we're just yeah. going to go ahead and go with 21, 22s. You know, we'll just, or... Or even higher. Sometimes 22s, 20, 23s, which was on a staggered setup, was just it was ridiculous. It's like why would you want to increase? You know, if anything, you'd want to obviously depending on what most of the people wanted to use the car for. But mm-hmm. you know, mainly on a supercar, you don't you don't want to you don't want to hinder the the dynamics of the car. And it, there's a reason why the manufacturer didn't put 22s and 23s on it. You know. Yeah. People could say that that looks good. Well, there's other ways of doing that. See, if you could go with the same stock 20, let's say the stock size, but a wider width, and if you drop the car, sometimes maybe half an inch, a little bit more than half an inch, let's say maybe half an inch to an inch, guess what? That wheel diameter now matches. It doesn't have that wheel gap that it has to deal with. And now it's like a compensation that instead of doing that, they'll just throw a bigger wheel on it. Correct. And that's, yeah. in, my, in my opinion, I think you could side on this as well Stuart that's just the wrong way of doing it that's the lazy way of doing it
1: yes it, it can be but it's also not necessarily I wouldn't say lazy um, I would say it depends on what the client really wants to end up doing at the end if they're going to be right lowering the car doing a lot of modifications yes uh, going up in size too dramatically is not necessarily a good idea. Some guys are going super low and they want to have the biggest wheels they can right. and they want to have rubber band tires. It really comes down to whatever the client wants to build for themselves. But at a dealer's standpoint, yeah, I would say I would say sticking to something that is similar to OEM, maybe one size up, like if you've got 1920s factory going to a 2021, there's lots of tire options that usually will make it so you can keep your overall rolling diameter identical to right. factory you're not changing any of the characteristics of how the car handles or moves or turns or nothing on that side is really affected by going up as long as you're keeping the rolling diameters the same and especially with our product with the wheels where it's extra light um, oftentimes even going up to the larger diameter you're still reducing overall mass so you've got a smaller tire you've got a bigger wheel but the wheel is engineered to be as light as it can that paired with the low profile tire You're still saving. uh, You're still seeing a weight savings over the factory setups in most cases,
0: right? And then I I think that the major difference usually comes from you know going with a wider width. Obviously, then you can go with a much wider tire, and it it fits. It'll fit correctly where you want to bring the wheel. Depending obviously if it's a if it's a a, obviously a three like a a a step lip with a three piece or a two piece, then you could bring the wheel all the way out to. Usually matching up with the fender line and go all the way down where you've now increased the width Which I think that's the major problem in my opinion as far as stock Manufacture wheels they don't do that at all And I I know again we go back to the regulations that they're kind of they have to go through certain regulations that they can't go that crazy So Mm -hmm. it's opened up the world. That's really I think one of the reasons why there's an industry It's a three billion dollar industry that comes from hey wait a minute I have the supercar that, yes, performs absolutely amazing and can do everything that the manufacturer wanted it to do. But if I can go with a wider wheel, and obviously now with uh, companies like Liberty Walk and Rocket Bunny, now you really can go insane as far as the widths on some yeah. of the supercars.
1: Which and oftentimes time. it's the... Uh the wheels can be wide and oftentimes it's the tire that you can't find to go as wide as you really want
0: to yeah exactly they have to the man, the, the, the manufacturers of tires now have to i think that they're i think they're starting to really uh catch a uh, a whiff and really starting to understand hey guys wait a minute there's people doing these extremely wide you know wide body uh modifications on their supercars i think we need to start catering to some of those widths mm-hmm. so Hopefully, we're going to start getting some some pretty good. But there have been, um, I know Pirelli makes a 3, I believe it's a 355, Stuart, correct me if I'm wrong, 355. Um, that's a pretty wide tire. Yes. And, um, it goes yeah, all the way. A, a,
1: they do have some wide ones. There's Pirelli, Michelin's got a lot. Uh, Toyo also has quite a few oh, wide yeah. options correct. these days. Um, correct. But definitely, definitely room for the tire side of the market to catch up to what the cars and wheel guys are really needing these days, yes. I would say.
0: Exactly. Um, all right, cool. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and go over the, uh, the third thing that we, or excuse me, the second thing. So we kind of, you know, skimmed over it a little bit. So the upcoming C8 Corvette and its impact on the future of supercars, what's your take to it?
1: I think it's really going to shake things up a lot. Um, yeah. as uh, you and I have talked about a number of times, I, I, I feel like it's the rebirth of something that was around years ago. And right. uh, I think that the rear or mid-engine Corvette is really going to change a lot of people's approach, where the segment of the market to have that kind of car has been such an expensive thing right. since, since the 80s. Right. Um, it's basically just been the exotics that are in that sort of caliber. And now it's coming to a domestic market. And guys are going to be able to get some crazy cars that are sub $100,000 and substantially lower than that. And they're going to be able to see the performance that the exotics have had for a long time. And I think it's really going to be a push for the domestic side of the industry to to advance and evolve themselves a little further to start keeping up more with the exotic side of the market.
0: Yeah. I again 120 million percent agree I I think that it's gonna push manufacturers I I was trying to break down the manufacturers that I think maybe are not too worried but I I think it's something that they all because if you look at the car industry as a whole right every single manufacturer today has seven different models to adhere for every single type of um, group of person that could afford that wants that brand right you know it's I mean talking about like let's say for example just to bring one of them up BMW I mm-hmm. mean now you have literally it's it's ridiculous you have everything from 1 series and every single model that you can think of mid-size SUV full-size SUV mid-size car four-door sedan two-door coupe and you have so many different models out of so many di- And it, uh, this obviously I'm talking about Mercedes Porsche now is getting into that game ridiculously insane as well um yeah range rover with the uh you know with the for example the um what's it called the evoke
1: Evoke, Um, lr full size like they just everyone's everyone seems to be expanding their product range
0: yeah to try to make it to try to make it affordable to the masses and that's i think corvette or chevy what they did with this c8 they finally said hey guys we're going to be the ones to do this and the manufacturers are going to have to either sit back and say well good for you guys you know we don't we don't have to make anything cheaper, or mm. they're going to go. This is something to worry about. I think we're going to have to start making not cheaper, obviously, just more affordable yeah. supercars that more masses of people that we can reach out that, that we could sell to.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's. It's definitely exciting to see where it's going to take things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super excited about it. I think obviously everybody in the group um, would agree that. That's pretty much what why we, we have a group in the first place was to talk about all these different um, things You know these topics that are going on and it's it's super exciting to finally see you know, it's funny uh, I was gonna tell you Stuart. I went to go see the car I have to actually post this information I haven't done it on the group yet, but I might as well just have that little bit of a, a conversation with you I went to go look at the car um, in person and it, it, There was something strange about it It was ever since I saw it on the pictures ever since I, I saw the launch every you know the, every step of the way there was just something about it that I, I i was like i need like every car on the face of the planet you have to go see it in person and when i went to go there was a launch over here by uh kendall chevy's a huge they have a huge dealership um they brought a, a hard top and a convertible and they had the convertible inside and the hardtop top outside it, they had it in a um it's like a very very sharp looking silver i forgot the name of the color that he told me but it's a beautiful looking silver with that maroon it's that typical maroon like 70s 19 you know like c4 maroon red interior yeah and usually that combo doesn't it's not lively corvette it's not what most corvette guys would go for you know like the younger corvette guys like Mm -hmm. guys that are probably younger than 40 i'd say 40 or in that in that age they don't usually go for that color. that's more for the guys that are above 50 or 50. and Man, I'm going to tell you, that color and that color combo, just because of how the body design, the lines, the aggressive lines that were all over the car and the interior design, which I actually got to meet the um, one of the interior designers, which was really cool. We went through a lot of different aspects. I have to post that as well. I'm going to have a podcast with him as well. We were, We were... It was amazing. When I saw the car in person, I'm like, holy shit. This car, I mean, even as a convertible, it looked absolutely amazing. And the first question that came to mind obviously when you when most guys that are worried you know that that are into high performance the first thing that they go is yeah but convertibles uh, eh, it's always 300 pounds more than the than the than the uh hard top most mm-hmm. of the time they don't look good when the top is up none of those things were even a factor they made the convertible weigh only 150 pounds more than the hard top that's impressive that's very impressive they, uh, we kind of, we went over a couple of funny things, which was, um, he explained to me that the air vents on the, on the C8, they're the thinnest air vents ever put in a, um, in a production car. And the re- the reason for that was so they could bring the entire, um, the entire center console, they could, and the, and the front portion of the car, they could, and the firewall, everything, just bring it all the way down to have a lower center of gravity. Um, That's amazing that they would go this far to just bring down the the dash i think he told me it was like maybe two inches above from what they had originally wanted it to be
1: mm-hmm. so
0: that really goes to show how how the effort that went into making this this is not just when, when i first saw it i tell you the first impression i had I, I had of the car was uh it's probably what they did was they grabbed the c7 platform the frame they made it they turned it into a a a, a mid-engine frame and then they slap these new body panels on it and obviously i'm super wrong by saying that because that's <laughs> not what the car is at all yeah so, it's a fully new developed yeah. fully
1: new development so it's kind of kind of exciting to see where where they're going to go and all of the custom side that comes to it yes
0: yeah, and 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 one thing that we that I believe that we're going to see a lot of, obviously, is because it's going to be a little bit before we see the C six, the C eight, zero six. There's going to be a lot of people doing wide body. Actually, there was a guy at SEMA. I wish I should have gotten the guy's name so I could just kind of plug him. But there was a guy at SEMA that actually made this amazing. I mean, it looked it looked. I think it'll look crazier than anything that you know uh, Chevy is going to come for the C six. Maybe not for the zero one. The zero one is going to be ridiculous, but. The C, uh, excuse me, C6, C8-06. Um, he already made a body kit. Um, I think it's eight or $9,000. It's not that bad. And it looks absolutely amazing. So that's going to help, you know, you, me, and, and the entire group kind of make some awesome decisions as far as width-wise, how far we could push uh, the limits of, you know, a high-performance wheel for the C8.
1: Yeah. Was that that uh, Volara?
0: I think, yes. Yeah, yeah that's the, the guy's name, yes. One, right? Dude, amazing. Wait, you guys, oh, that's right. You were at CIMA, right?
1: Yeah, I I walked through the North Hall and stumbled across that when I was, I just got dropped off at the wrong side. Okay. I walking through and just being kind of taken back, trying to figure out what I was looking at.
0: Right. What'd you think of it since you saw it in person? That's right. I completely forgot you uh, to mention that it. That one,
1: it was, it's a very dramatic appearance. Right. Um, that ha- goes right back to the rubber band, big wheels thing we were talking about. But right. I, uh, I definitely do like the execution of it because it seems, seems like everything is very well thought out. All the lines right. are tailored. Every aspect of the car is, is custom. That was built on a C6. But exactly what that guy is going to do for, with a C8? For C8. It's going to be even more crazy.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. It was built on the c So that was a, c- a C6?
1: yeah
0: oh okay that makes sense yeah
1: Yeah, definitely very cool though it's that the gray one with the huge wheels right
0: yes yes that one that one
1: yeah it's not like
0: yes like like you said i don't i'm not too for that that gigantic 22s and i mean that's just but i understand why they did it they're trying to make it shocking they're trying to make it you know appear like like you said it you were like oh shit, what am i looking at here (laughs) yeah i had no idea what
1: i was looking at until after after seaman i found
0: out what it was what it was exactly, yeah. and then those are the those are always. I mean, that's the reason to go to SEMA. When you see things like that, you're like, "Wow, this is you know the reason SEMA is SEMA." Yeah.
1: Um,
0: tell me a little bit about your experience at SEMA, Stuart. Just besides that, what how was a uh, how was SEMA for you guys?
1: SEMA was great, man. A lot of uh, a lot of good feedback. A lot of right. people came by the booth and awesome. Always, uh, if anybody's listening that's ever worked at SEMA and has been at a booth, they know what it's like, and it's it's. Intense to be there right for the four days that it's open We set up on Monday and then even on Monday people were coming by talking to us and <clears> wanting to see what we were doing But Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday. It was just non-stop a big crowd of people hanging out asking lots of good questions And awesome really giving uh, some positive feedback, which is always nice
0: to hear Awesome, and you guys are showcasing obviously the the carbon uh, the carbon di- the die uh, uh, you know the 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 relationship yeah. that now you you guys have developed with Dymag, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, Dymag has developed that new uh, carbon barrel where it's a flange style. So it, we assemble it like a normal three-piece wheel, but the outer right. barrel is one solid piece of carbon. There right. is no metal. There is no no material other than carbon inside the uh, barrels. So on those wheels, just to touch on them, they're on average about a 25 percent weight saving over the equivalent size wheel in right. fully aluminum. So it's a very interesting product, and if you have any anybody that's looking for something that is purely a performance-driven design, but right. also aesthetically pleasing, that's where the Carbon Plus lineup comes in. For You'll sure, see some dramatic changes in your performance with just just a set of wheels changed.
0: Yeah, just exactly the second you put them on. It from from what I understand, because I've 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 been following carbon wheels for a long long time from the beginning of when um, I believe when Dymag first started out. And there was another company. I think it was called Carbon Revolution that yes. tried it out with the Porsches for the GT3s, the 996 GT3, I think it was. Yeah. And they didn't. They. I think they. They. They got pretty far, but they didn't follow through as far as the engineering. I think it was that they were having problems with cracking and.
1: Yeah, and, it was uh, fatigue tests. So the so what okay. Dymeg has done. We launched the Carbon Plus last year, so 2018 okay. at SEMA. Right. And we were hoping to have product for uh, probably like January, February was when we were originally anticipating we'd have it. Okay. But Dime A was being very proficient with their tests and they were not willing to let anything go into complete production until it was passing with flying colors. Awesome. So we finally started getting production hoops late, uh, late summer of this year. Okay. But they've done thousands of miles of testing on these things. They're now offering these barrels as a factory option on the mclaren senna or mclaren wow. Senna. so that's, wow
0: i did not know that that's amazing that's, that's a testament to
1: how much how badass they are put How into, that they're well actually they an oem option for mclaren so it's wow. nice to have that confidence behind it and for us it's exciting for us to be able to tailor we have our wheels that we design specifically for the carbon plus line but it's nice to be able to tailor any design that we really want we can make sure it's as light as it's going to be we use our titanium assembly hardware when we're bolting it together so everything on those wheels is performance lightweight and it's tailored specifically to whatever the client wants it to be
0: correct and uh just because i know everybody's thinking about this the second we said carbon wheels uh as far as weight let's say like on a 20 what would you say the exact weight came in um, when you guys uh, build the wheel? To Because the, the the centerpiece, usually you guys go with the, um, uh, you went with, uh, what was it, the centerpiece? You had gone with just the regular, your, your regular centerpiece. It's not like you guys did like magnesium centers or anything like that. No,
1: yeah, we're still using 6061 T6 for all of our standard product as well as the Carbon Plus line. Correct. But um, with the weights, it's, Again, very dependent on application. Um, you can see as light as probably about 18, 19 pounds for a 20 inch front. And for a wow. 21 wow. by 20, for, for example, we did a McLaren 720S recently. Okay. And the front wheel came in at 20.4 pounds, and the rear wow. wheel was 24.8. And wow. that's 2021 titanium assembly hardware. And that's to use with a 25530 tire in the front and a three twenty five.
0: 25 tire in the back right and that was with that uh, was uh, measured without the tires or with the tire that was without or, rubber
1: Rubbers okay, on, without. On top. that was the assembled yeah. parts came in it that way that's, that's
0: amazing yeah the, the car from from what I remember when they first first literally had come out with carbon wheels I think uh, when Dymag had stated that basically the weight savings would almost be it didn't matter what car you were talking about when you did carbon wheels, it's almost, what they had calculated was that it was almost like adding 100 to 80, I think it was 80 to 100 horsepower on any car. So that's, you know, you definitely would feel that, you know, that you're 20, 30, 40 horsepower, eh, that's hard to feel. But when you get up into the 80 or 100 horsepower, that's something you're going to feel for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't really have much to comment on that. But I would, uh, I would definitely say that reducing rotational mass, you are going to notice right. Uh, instantaneous acceleration yeah. breaking, everything's gonna improve. Right,
0: right, right. For
1: for sheer numbers of freed up power, I can't really can't really this I can't really discern what that would be.
0: Right. No, that that was a statement that I remember because I mean I it just it like I concreted it in my head when I when I heard when they when they said that I'm like okay that's something to remember, you know that that yeah. goes to show the difference between, you know, anything else but Carbon, it's just you can't there's no there's no substitute. There's no comparison. Yeah um, Cool, man, this is uh, it's it's amazing to hear about all of this I'm glad that we're also covering the carbon on that. That was something that I, I was you know, we didn't write down But I it's glad I'm glad that we were able to kind of get to it because it is something that I know I want everybody in the group to also know about that option yeah. Obviously, it's it's you know, uh, I, I think price price starts uh, price point start at 15 plus right 16,000
1: Yes, yeah, you're about if you're doing a 20 20 front, 21 rear, that's MSRP right
0: around 185. Okay. Yeah, but that's you know, that that's the cost of having a full carbon barrel, yeah. you can't. I mean, it's yeah. again it's it's something that is absolutely amazing. Um and I'm I'm so glad you told me about the the Senna. So so they had a contract with McLaren and did the actual Senna with them, worked with the yeah. Senna. I don't know all the
1: details on it, but I do know that right. there's a limited limited production run that they're doing for senate owners to have the option if they want if they want and they're awesome. building it for a track building it awesome. for a track setup.
0: right yeah that's a, that's absolutely amazing um so we'll kind of cut down over here to number three um this is kind of you know on you guys obviously this is uh the history backstory of where you and brixton started and how forged wheels compared to today's stock wheels we kind of went over that one so let's um i think the best thing would be the backstory of where brixton and you got involved and you know, just a little bit of history.
1: Yeah. So I've been uh, in the industry for quite a quite a few years, and have always felt that there is a room for improvement in the forge side of forge side of the market. Um, from previous experience, a lot of people uh, that I used to deal with, they'd order wheels, and their primary frustration was you order your wheels and you just wait. Yep. You don't really know exactly when it's coming. You know your order is getting closer. You can ask for an update, then get an update. Yeah, they're in finishing now, but you don't really know exactly what's happening. So for Brixton, the idea was to build a company based around being completely transparent, which I did touch on earlier, but our production process, once an order is placed, we send updates through every stage of the production process. So once the wheels have passed through uh, engineering, we'll send out the 3D PDFs of the wheel set. So you'll be able to get an idea To be able to get an idea, sorry about that, of what your your concavity is going to look like. It's going to be accurate representation. You can view it on any Windows PC. Unfortunately, we can't get it to work on Macs just yet with the 3D PDFs. But that's nice. Nice step. So you get to see what your wheel is going to look like before we even start cutting anything. And then once the parts go through lathing, we'll send you the lathe photo updates. Uh, Or if they go through lathing and get milled before we do the next update cycle, which is usually every Thursday, Friday, we send out updates, Uh, you'll get photos of the milled parts and then the next one, once they're into finishing, once they come back from finishing, if it's early enough in the week or if it's coming back from finishing like Thursday, Friday, we'll send you the photos of the finished parts in the assembly queue and then we'll send you the updates of your uh, wheel set once it's completely finished. So yeah, you get updates usually every every one to two weeks throughout the entire order process, and our average build time is anywhere between about four to six weeks uh, most of the time and then in peak busy volume season where we sometimes get up to about five to seven odd cases, some orders go to six to eight. but um, there are always there are always instances where wheel sets do take longer, say if forging is backward or we're waiting for hoops or. Something like that. Any, but any, any delays that there are in the order process, we let the client know right away. So if it's if you've ordered through a dealer, we notify the dealer. So if you are ever right. looking for any updates on your order process at any time, you just ask them, and they'll usually have the most up-to-date info in their inbox.
0: Right, and that, that's I think the I think that's the driving force behind you guys, which is one of the other reasons that I, that I decided I wanted to represent you guys. Was that you have that process? That it's it's nice to see it being built, and it's not just hey, hi, you know, you'll see your wheels in eight weeks. Uh, goodbye, you know. Yeah. It's like, huh, you know, that's that's a very insulting thing I think coming from spending, you know, anywhere between six to eight thousand. Some cases can come up to nine, 000, eight, you know, almost sometimes depending on the option, ten thousand. You spend yeah. that amount of money on a wheel. Hey, let me at least get. You know some information on the process of where my wheel's getting built, yeah you know, so and I,
1: uh, I, yeah, it's just the it's the evolution of evolution of the process as
0: okay.
1: uh for many years, there wasn't necessarily the technology in place to make that a possibility, but right. we like to embrace all the newest newest and greatest sort of opportunities we can find to make things simpler for us as well as for the client right so it's It's just ingrained in us to keep improving and keep making things uh, more streamlined and more transparent. But as for a little more backstory on Brixton, um, the two owners, they just like I said, they saw room for improvement in the industry and decided that it was something that they wanted to chase and uh, pursue to push their own brand and push themselves. And one of the owners, he's a mechanical engineer. And the other owner has a marketing degree. So the two of them partnered together have covered pretty much every aspect of what's needed from a good brand to have designs coming out that are fresh and current. We do go through and make sure that when we are creating something new, we try to look at every other brand that we can think of to see if anybody's got something similar. And if there is anything that's too close or too similar, we go the extra effort to make sure that we're making something unique. That's which. Amazing which I find is something different. A lot of brands, yeah, they'll, they'll see what other guys make and they're like, cool, we wanna make a version similar to it for us. Exactly. Where exactly. our drive is to create brand new things, as you said, something that you haven't seen before. And that's what we're passionate about is creating new innovative designs.
0: Yeah, and I, I would say that that's, it shows, like I said, when I first saw the, P, the PF1, I was like, wow, this is, there is no wheel that even comes close to looking like this so i it shows it shows in your designs that you go through that extra level of making sure that you know and i guess that's where it comes from obviously you just kind of went through it it's (laughs) you guys check them all out and go okay guys so this wheel this wheel this wheel we can't do anything that's close enough to that so we ours comes out looking original so i think that's very important because that's what that's one of the i think a lot of people for the first time buyer of a performance forged wheel the number one thing that they're thinking about unfortunately even even the performance guys you know the guys that are worried about or or really concentrating on how you know what's the wheel going to weigh what's my advantage why would i spend this amount of money on a forged wheel yeah. there's always the aesthetic uh, portion of it that they're like well wait a minute if i if i'm going to spend this amount of money it has to just completely transform the car, mm-hmm. so it's a, obviously yeah. it's a very important um, aspect of it. Um, well, kind of running on the, uh, you know, we're we're about we just hit 32 minutes, so I know you're a little bit of on a time frame. So we'll we'll cover just the last uh, topic, which was where did your passion and drive for um, cars uh, came from?
1: Oh man, uh, for me, it's been <laughs> it's been ever since I was a little kid. I remember. Uh, the very first time I remember really getting in trouble was sneaking out of my yard. Okay. I, was two, I, was, I remember obviously I got, did stuff when I was a kid, got in trouble for stuff. But the first time I remember really being told I should not do that was when I snuck out of my yard, went two doors down, which wasn't very far, but three-year-old me thought it was like an epic journey. Right. And, uh, <laughs> my dad found me with my greasy little paws all over the glass of my neighbor's old uh, five-series old BMW 5 Series. And I was just enamored with it because it was... I grew up in a neighborhood where it was a kind of a young family neighborhood, and this guy was sort of an anomaly. He was the only one there with a nice BMW. Everybody else had more economy cars and stuff. I was just drawn to this thing. And I remember I always liked the monster truck stuff, but just cars, that's where my passion for properly built machines really came from. Right, And um, I think uh, over the years, as I grew, I was... Grew up in a town where the automotive side was a very prevalent uh, tuning and performance was a very prevalent thing in the neighborhood. Okay. Um, so there was lots of lots of cool cars. Stereos were huge at that time. Everyone was driving around with big bass pouring out of their windows. And,
0: uh, <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's definitely gone away the way the Buffalo, but it's uh, all just sort of stuck with me and. I've always been passionate about sort of tailoring and making things unique, making them my own. And right. um, I do feel like, at the end of the day, wheels are the biggest impact on the overall look of a car. If you yes. get a car, say you get a new Ferrari or or a new C eight, for example, and you put a body kit on it, it's gonna look cool, but it's still gonna look like a stock car until you right. change the wheels. That's right. So it's just like. Having a regular set of tennis shoes or going out and getting a crazy pair of Jordans. Right. It's, it's uh, the final, the final touch is really to change the wheels and make it your own vehicle. Because right. the Jets, especially in this sort of side of the market where we're building everything unique, specific for each client, um, finding something or somebody else with the same car and same set of wheels isn't going to be something you're just going to drive down the road and see somebody else. It'll, it'll be Few and far between that you'll find somebody with an identity. So.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's that's one of the main that that's something I wanted to touch on as well. And and I, I you know I down here in Florida we have one of the obviously every state now has a big cars and coffee um, you know uh, event, and we have one here that it draws in about ten thousand plus people almost every month. And one thing that I wanted to mention um, that companies like well company like like you know, like Brixton and others that have come about to say, hey, listen, you know, I think the market has been saturated. You know, I hate to say it, and I have to mention their name. You know, um, HRE obviously has been just the forefront, right? They, they were always there. They've been around for more than 30 plus years. Um, I think that what happened was, is that they got, they got very, very big. And they actually started thinking about, well, how do we how do we make same as everybody, just like the manufacturers are doing now? How do we, you know, cater to maybe not someone that has eight thousand or nine thousand to spend on a wheel, but has maybe three or four thousand to spend on a wheel? And I think what ended up happening was that a lot of the supercar um, owners and hypercar owners and even just sports car owners, they they kind of, I think a lot of these dealerships blinded them, just stating that, you know, we have to push HRE, we have to push HRE, 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 HRE. Only because they were getting incentives, you know, the dealers themselves are getting incentives to push that brand so hard. So what ended up happening out of that, throughout the years now, I've noticed that when you go to a Cars and Coffee today, or any car show, and you know, where where people have done uh, obviously uh, wheel modifications, most of the time that's unfortunately what you have to see is HRE. And in my opinion, what happened was that it it it, it flooded the market with HRE, and then. HRA didn't become that special anymore, you know, mm-hmm. as far as a design um, Like when you looked at the wheel design aspect, it was like, eh, I've seen these I've seen these on the you know oh, I went to that cars and coffee last week and Oh, I saw those, you know on this car. It's it's like it's no big deal anymore So it's given companies like you um, Or like Brixton, excuse me. It's given them the ability to come up with hey guys d- This this is not the only design that can be put out there. Let's make something more unique
1: mm-hmm. and
0: in in my opinion, I think that's that's one of the main reasons, like I said, I decided to work with you guys, become a dealer for you guys. And one of the reasons why I wanted to push with uh, with Chet from the admin of uh, the uh, C8 uh, friends and, and, and group that we have on, on, on Facebook was one of the main reasons I wanted to offer something very special to these, obviously, pre-potential owners of the C8. We want to try to be at the forefront of wanting to push and have almost every single person that can afford it to come in and say hey listen we want to offer you this awesome discount program so you can actually make like you said your c8 your own because we are going to see an explosion of c8s they're going to be everywhere yeah um they're going to be you know because that's the whole point of the car it's going to be the mass supercar it's going to be the the supercar that for the masses so um because of that that was one of the main reasons i wanted to you know uh, come to you guys and say hey listen can we do this and you were very cool about it. You said, yeah, for sure. Let's, let's work together to to make this happen. So, um, and as far as your, your beginnings, man, I, I kind of, I I was, I'm right with you. I mean, I, my, my first word that ever came out of my mouth before mom, water or anything else was car. That was my first word. So (laughs) I, I I was there with you, man. I, I I think, uh, once you, you know, I think it all, it also has to do with, uh, family genes. My grandfather used to race motorcycles and, my mom and my grandma, even them being in the situations that they were, uh, they were, they loved cars. You know, they were, they, they loved the, the, just the designs, the different, I mean, my mom, her first car was a, a 444 uh, Firebird. So
1: yeah.
0: that just goes to show, you know, my mom loved cars and, and so did my grandma. And, and it obviously, it just, uh, it, it's one of those things, it's, it's a genetic thing. It's, 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 an, it's, a, it's, like I like to say, the racing gene exists you know, um, there are people that are just genetically, they're predisposed to this amazing thing. And, and to me, in my opinion, I think, you know, in this world of technology, um, oh, we got to go over one thing right before I let you go. But what I was going to say was that in this world of technology, you know, the car is still the most ridiculous machine that I think humans have ever built. I, 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 I have this vision that, I mean, you have to think about it, right? There is a car almost in every land mass oh, on every landmass on the face of the Earth. Yeah, that's pretty that's amazing.
1: That is definitely amazing. That's something that I <laughs> often think about too. Like, what other industry has had a bigger impact on humanity? Right, and personal their- mobility and uh, individual style. Like, it gives it gives everyone a means to explore the face of the Earth. Right. Which is not something that existed over not 100, too long ago. Hundred years ago, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, only we, the last like century that we've really made this much of a made much progression and seeing where. It goes. So I'm excited to see what the next 10, 20, 20 years with the right. introduction of EV and all of all of the design and manufacturing capabilities and composite materials that are starting to be used. And we're just on we're just at the beginning stages of the next next phase of the automotive world which is very exciting to see coming
0: yes i i totally agree with that as well so one last thing i have to i have to ask you and i everybody obviously in the automotive world has been talking about it and i hate to bring it up because it's electric but we have to just kind of skim over it <laughs> what is your opinion on the, the blade runner uh cyber truck?
1: oh buddy uh <laughs> there's so many mixed reviews and i uh I personally love it. It's I like yeah. it different out there, and I like uh, seeing something unique. I do like uh, I do like where Tesla went and decided to blaze their own trail. They're making a truck that's completely different than yes. any other truck that's ever existed. Why make it look the same as every other truck that's always existed? Yes. Um, so I do like that. I definitely feel like uh, there is room for improvement, as as Elon even said during the unveiling, but. Um, he was talking specifically about his uh, Tesla glass that didn't survive the impact test on the right. car or on the truck. But I do feel like uh, they've taken a bold move and it's a good step in the right direction to really showcase that if you want to design, you can. it shows that designers can design whatever they want and the yes. ability to execute that and actually make it look like a complete package was there. Yes. which is which is what I truly appreciate. Necessarily, I don't know if it's going to be the way trucks look going forward, but it's definitely something unique, and I I like that they wanted to push boundaries and try something different.
0: Yeah, I, I give it to I give it to Elon. He always um, I saw it and same exact opinion. I I, I I don't know if I want one. I mean, obviously, I don't want one because it's electric. So for me, I <laughs> it's electric. I don't want it, but. If 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 I if if I want like if I was gonna buy it, I'll tell you, and it would be the most ridiculous thing to do. So it was stupid as hell. But again, it would kind of go with the same marketing, um, the marketing ideas that they've had. Because I, I was reading an article that stated that he's never spent a dime on anything that has to do with marketing, and it's because of the way he, on stage, launches the products and has everybody that's there spread the word, just like the yeah. Cybertruck. I wanna th- I wanna think. Or I want to say that that breaking of the window, I think that was done on purpose. I don't think – and I'll tell you why I say that. This is the same person who's launching rockets that go up into space and yeah. bring themselves down at an accuracy that no one has ever seen as far as rocket technology.
1: Yeah. I
0: don't think him handling a broken window I, – I, that doesn't seem – I think that was all part of the marketing. I think that was all – just to get people to talk about it. Oh my God, did you see? Man, that thing is stupid as hell, it looks stupid. It looks like a triangle on wheels. But guess what? Every single person on the face of the earth right now, from the day that it was launched, is talking about it. And you have a lot of these influencers. I don't want to mention her name because I'm not so crazy about her, but Supercar Blondie just made a video. She's put in an order. You have guys like um, in, the te- in the tech world, like Lou from Unbox Therapy, he put in an order. You have these big influencers that are like, fuck, yeah, I want that thing. And it's exactly what you said. It's exactly what I thought. When I saw it, I said, fuck, he did something. He made a pickup truck look like no other pickup truck that's ever been made on the face of the earth. Yeah. So he, he nailed it. He, he knows yeah. what he's doing. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Definitely excited to see what the final production model
0: looks like. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it does look extremely cool. And I mean, I... I think it's when you look at it, it's just it just it's exactly that, man. It's it's a it's a design that has never been done and therefore it's going to get whether it's bad, like 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 they've always talked about marketing. Right. There's no such thing as bad marketing. It's all just spreading the word of a product. Yeah, I think that's awesome. thing. All right, Stuart. So let's wrap this up. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I want to thank you again for having you having, you know, come on to the podcast for the first time. We'll definitely have to have a couple others down the line. But this was all for really specifically for the C8 group. I wanted to bring everybody a little bit closer to Brixton so they can understand, you know, the beginnings, why this is something that they really should think about. And as far as the C8, I think, in my opinion, again, just to kind of go over it again, it's. You know, there's going to be a lot of them out there, guys. There's going to be a lot of them out there, and it doesn't matter how unique the color you pick, as far as interior-wise and option-wise. In order to make this thing really yours and stand out from the thousands that are going to be made, is literally to start with a forged wheel, because that's that's really, you know, something that transforms the entire car. Um, Absolutely. From you know, from a modding uh, standpoint.